all I do is connect with people and, and at the end of the day try to help them. And if I can help them uh, spread my knowledge to them and to the businesses that actually pay us to do that kind of stuff, then I think at the end of the day, good things start to happen and people look at you and say, oh my God, you really helped us. And they tell two friends. And that's the secret sauce. You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. I'm your co-host, Nikki Ballou. And I'm the other co-host, Michael Palmer. Michael, do we have an amazing, exciting episode lined up today? Our guest today is my old boss, the legendary Alan McLaren. Alan was my boss back in 2000 and 2001 when I worked in the high-tech industry. He was the president of a high-tech company called Jaws. And uh, that company was a dot-com that became a dot-bomb. But Alan and I, we stayed in touch. We liked each other. He's a good guy. And uh, since then, he has really become a thought leader in the whole world of social media and PR. He's the co-founder of Infinity PR. He has been uh, a member of the Young Presidents Organization because he was a president of a $10 million company before he was 40. Uh, he's just a great guy. He's super brilliant, and he's got a lot of value to add to our listeners. So I'm really excited. Are you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to know him, looking at his website and some of the things that he's done. I think we're going to get a lot of gold today. Absolutely, we are. So with no further ado, let's go say hello to Alan. Welcome, Alan McLaren. It is a true honor to have you on the show. The listener doesn't know this, but you actually were my boss at one point. <laughs> uh, that was a fun year, wasn't it, Nikki? It was incredible. It was incredible. <laughs> I uh, learned a lot from you, and we've stayed in touch over the years. And you've been somebody that's really taught me a lot. And uh, I know you've got an incredible story. You've uh, created a fantastic company along with uh, with Leanne, and you're, you're a real thought leader in this whole space of uh, social media communication and uh, and PR, and you're one of the greatest salespeople I've ever met. Uh, and I'd consider you a thought leader in all of those. How did you come to acquire all this amazing knowledge and commercialize it so well? Do tell us your story. Well, Nikki, I think I, I'm no different than, than uh, anybody who's kind of come through a world where they went to school, didn't know what they wanted to do, but um, just kept saying yes and kept trying different things to kind of discover as opposed to have a path that says, here's the end point, here's where I'm going. And so, you know, truthfully, when I was, I was, I grew up in Montreal and, and I went to uh, Concordia University and uh, really didn't, was not a great student, didn't love, uh, didn't love to go to school, I, which is contrasting today when I'm an absolute um, uh, rabid uh, learner. Uh, but while I was going to school, I was not. And I actually went to school and thought, oh, good, I'm going to play, you know, professional football. So uh, the university will be the path to that. And in fact, what happened was it was the path to learning about me and learning about what was important and really learning about um, that you had to keep trying things to be able to discover what your passion is. And then that was kind of the catalyst for me is going to university for those four years, finishing school, having a good uh, university career, getting the degree, and then going to a couple of uh, professional camps and realizing when I was there, you know what, this isn't what I want. This is not exactly what I thought it was watching TV. So it, it really taught me that it's okay to chase your dreams, but also understand that, understand what your dreams are. 
before you get there. So in, in my case, it was a great learning. And, and from there, I went to, uh, to work in sales, Nikki and, 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 and Michael. And, and it was up and down the street selling photocopiers uh, in Montreal. And I have to tell you, there was no better training. It was kind of like vacuum cleaner salesman for the business world. And man, <laughs> I will tell you, I learned how to cold call and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't great at it, but I learned how to do that. I learned how to deal with rejection. I learned how to be uh, good on my feet. I learned how to sell on the spot. And, uh, and then I evolved my career through uh, Canon and then became part of their, I became a supervisor, became part of their marketing team, became part of their training department, got recruited away by another organization. And then I started my executive career as a general manager, vice president of sales. And then my first president's job was back in Quebec after living in Halifax for a couple of years. And that was my first turnaround. And then uh, you met me at JAWS, which was uh, uh, as as we all know, and, and the, the podcasters, one day there'll be a book that'll come out on that one year that I experienced there, because that was a lot of fun. And then um, went into IT security, met my business partner after this is, you know, the only story I have coming out of that experience was when we sold our shares in this company called White Hat, Leanne turned to me and said, so what are we going to do now? And I said, what do you mean we? I'm going to go get a job as a CEO somewhere and we'll be president, we'll be friends for life. And in fact, what happened was she says, let's do something together. And I said, what will we do? She says, well, you're an expert and you're an executive and you know about sales, you know about marketing. I'm a PR expert. Why don't we start an agency? And that was 12 years ago, actually, this month that we started with zero, no customers, no computers, no offices. And then we look back 12 years later and here we are uh, with a flourishing marketing business and having a ton of fun. So that's kind of my, uh, my story, Nikki and, and Michael. That's a fantastic story, Alan. You know, I always knew you as a sales guru, a sales expert, and, and, and someone who was great at inspiring and motivating people. But you've actually been paid to do talks on social media and the power of social media to help impact the bottom line for corporations. How did that evolve? Well, what happened was, it's kind of funny. So as we started Infinity, we really were, we had two areas of expertise. Mine was uh, sales expertise and Leanne's was PR. So what happened was we did that for the first three or four or five years and very successfully. And then as the uh, media started to die kind of in the late, well, we started in 2005, so it would have been five years after that, uh, I started to see this thing called social media. And I told Leanne, I said, listen, I'm going to dive in and become an expert of this. You keep doing the PR thing. And in fact, it saved our business. If we didn't have social media as, as one of the early adopters in that world, um, we would have died. And, and essentially, it saved our business and became 80% of our business was helping other businesses figure out how to uh, to do social media. So we became community managers and consultants and and then added the element of, of traditional PR to social. And then I moved away from the sales expertise and then dove into now what I'll consider, I guess, digital and social. Um, and, and the misnomer that I must clarify there are no experts in this space because, oh my God, tomorrow there's somebody doing something that I don't know about. And so uh, what I would call it is somebody who's very knowledgeable about what's going on and, and has the pulse on what's coming. But, oh my God, it is a changing world every day. So that's, I just came about it through uh, learning and, and, and getting mentors and, and understanding what the market was delivering and, and how we could uh, take advantage of it and how we could help our clients. I, I think it's great. And I, I love that you sort of tack that out. It's like there are no experts because it's, it's uh, you're an expert in something other than what the industry is to, today because it'll be something tomorrow. But you're an expert in being able to take whatever new is coming along and, and learn how to leverage that or help other people leverage that. I'd be curious to know how you've 
how along this journey over the last 12 years, how you as a CEO have leveraged what you know and become known for that in the market that you serve? Well, you know, it's it, the tactics are pretty easy, right? You, you speak professionally, you ensure that you have built solid relationships, uh, both online and off. And, and you ensure that, you know, that you're not just, you know, standing at the top of a mountain and shouting, Hey, look at me, how good I am. But you're, when you're helping people genuinely in whatever you do, you know, that karma thing, it comes back to you and you become known for not only what you know, but who you are. And, and people give credence to who you are more than what you know, right? And, and so, I, I've, you know, I've done social, uh, you know, LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and all the things that we know can be done. But I don't do it, you know, with the goal of, oh, my God, I've got to become a thought leader. All I do is connect with people and, and at the end of the day try to help them. And if I can help them uh, spread my knowledge to them and to the businesses that actually pay us to do that kind of stuff, then I think at the end of the day, good things start to happen and people look at you and say, oh my God, you really helped us. And they tell two friends. And that's the secret sauce. People forget about word of mouth. It is still, in my view anyways, the number one way marketing happens is just that no one can measure that in a very effective way. So it happens with thought leadership as well. People say, hey, you should talk to Al. And that happens to me. If it doesn't happen weekly, it happens uh, two or three times a week. I love that. And that's, that is kind of the, the phrase right there. You should talk to Al. I mean, if our listeners had that happening more often every single day, it's like, go talk to that person because that's how they're solving that problem brilliantly over there. Yeah. You know, one of our mentors is a gentleman by the name of Matt Church. He is the founder of uh, Thought Leaders Global in Australia. He's Australia's number one speaker. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the material that we deliver to our clients here in Canada has been licensed from uh, Thought Leaders Business School. And Matt has a definition of a thought leader. And he says that an expert is someone who knows something. A thought leader is someone who's known for knowing something. And that being a thought leader is better than being an expert because people do what you just said. They come looking for you. And Mm -hmm. by that definition, I would agree you're not an expert. You're actually a thought leader. Well, you know, it's interesting that, you know, as my entire career was really developed through the sales funnel and, and Nikki, as you experienced with me, the, you know, that sales developed into management and developed into uh, to executive roles and, and developed actually in another organization called YPO that, that at the end of the day, you, you develop as a leader. And I think that, you know, I would rather be known as a great or that's a strong word as a good leader um, that knows some things about sales and knows some things about social media knows some things about marketing because I think at the end of the day, anybody can can get a Ted talk. You can learn a lot today. You can sit by your computer and become an expert in anything, you know, in 10,000 hours as, as we, as we've heard many, many times, but when you're a leader, you help other people get better. And I think as a thought leader, you know, my job at the end of the day is if I can have an interaction, you know, with you, Nikki, and our interactions, because of those that made you better or made you motivated or inspired to do something, then that to me is the secret. It is really about being a great leader and knowing stuff. As an example, today, I don't, although I know a lot about sales, I don't use that as part of my business anymore. You know, and I could probably do talks on that all around the world and say, this is how you build a sales force and inspire them, but it's not what I'm doing today. So I focus on the areas of that, you know, that pay my, pay the bills, but also inspire me. And what inspires me is, is the, the fun in social and the fun in leadership. And so that's kind of how I define it. It's beautiful. 
You're, uh, in terms of the, over the last 12 years and what you've seen happen in business, what, what are you seeing happening today that is blowing your mind? Well, I think, you know, it's like anything else, right? The speed of, of change is, is overwhelming because nobody can figure out what works anymore uh, when it comes to marketing because the, you're being pushed, you know, everything from programmatic ad buying to social media to podcasting to blogging to video. And it's all just a lot of noise. And at the end of the day, you know what? So I think that speed is scaring, scaring people a lot. And, you know, what's coming with AI and AR and blockchain and all the technologies that are, are going to really transform, you know, what we see and how we see it and how we interact. And, and that last part, of course, is the what I call the six second squirrel rule, which if you look at people today on their phones, they are, you have got six seconds to get their attention. I mean, how do you do all that? That's the part that I think is fascinating. And I think we're, we're figuring out, but I mean, it, it is just faster than it's ever been. And oh, by the way, it's going to get even faster. So to me, over the last 12 years, watching that speed of communication is, has been fascinating and, and trying to figure out how to slow it down and do what is right to get someone to listen to you. And I think that's what's, uh, what I've seen. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is what you do for your clients. Uh, this is your business. This is your expertise. W- mm-hmm. What are some of the ways that people can capture people's attention in those six seconds? Well, the first thing you need to do, and it sounds counterintuitive, is you got to slow down so you can go fast. And, and what I mean by that is oftentimes we have, everybody has, or even our clients have the shiny silver ball syndrome, right? Oh, this is new. We should do that. And so what I try to do is get them to go back to basics. Let's make sure you have a really good product or service. So the starting point is to make sure that your business is good. Because if your business is not good, then no marketing in the world is going to make that better. I mean, a lot of times people approach me saying, well, our sales are down. And I, my first question is, let's not talk about what we're going to do to tell your story. Let's talk about your story. Make sure you can deliver on what you say. If you can do that, we'll engage with you. If you cannot, we say no. So we say no to half the people we talk to because we don't believe in their product or service. And so we'll take their money and market and nothing's going to happen because we send them leads and they fail in delivery. Then we look bad. So, so I think those are the basic elements is really slow down so you can go faster and make sure your business is right. That's kind of step one. Step two is really to, to go back to basic marketing 101. Who is your audience? Where are they? What do they respond to? You know, so right audience, right message, right time, right place. That that does not change. And to get their attention, the word is creativity. You got to be able to go to the white space and say, well, this is what everybody's doing. How do we say something different and get their attention while keeping the, the brand standards in mind? Because you, gotta, you can't really go crazy. But I think to me, it's uh, what, what I think we do best is not so much the blocking and tackling of, oh, hey, here's social, here's let's go do that. But here's an idea that can help you get attention. That creativity is what you have to foster in your organization and and look for in your agencies. And I think that that's kind of what we do to help people figure that out. Brilliant. Very generous. Thanks. I think that will be, you know, people listening, they've got to get noticed. And, you know, we talk a lot about, do you have actual expertise and is, if, can you really help people in, in, in the way that you're stating? Uh, so it's really resonating for me. Well, Alan, you know what I liked about what you just said, that you turn away half the people you talk to because you know there's not a fit. And 
I think the listener to this podcast can learn a lot from what you just said here. It's, it's sometimes tough as a, as a business person to say no to business. I mean, especially if someone wants to give you the deal, but mm -hmm. it's the right thing to do. And in the long run, I actually think it's the profitable thing to do because if people know that you're only going to work with a certain type of client and you're going to say no to certain opportunities, first of all, more people are going to clamor to want to work with you. But secondly, I think energetically, it, it, it's really going to cause God or the universe or what have you to respond to that and say, okay, I'm going to send you the exact perfect type of people that you want to work with, that you're excited to work with, and that you can make the biggest impact on. You know, you're absolutely right, Nikki. And I think that the other part of it that we didn't realize when we did it, because let me tell you, it is a hard decision. Someone's got a check and they want to work with you and you're saying, no, I don't want your $3,000. Don't I know it, Alan. <laughs> Listen, right? And, and, and I'll tell you, and because we made those mistakes early on, and then what realize, we realize is that, you know what, if we can't make a difference for that client, then our reputation suffers because we couldn't help them. So we took their money and didn't make a difference because maybe the relationship wouldn't have worked in any ways. So then we said, you know, let's look at it in a different way. Let's look, let's look for those people to your point that we can actually help. And in our sales process, we actually tell the client that, by the way, you know, you're looking at us. We are looking at you too, because we have to make sure that the fit is there so we can help you. So you can tell two friends about us and not, Hey, don't work with infinity. You want to say, these guys are awesome. You should work with them. Why? Because they really helped us. So it really becomes a business strategy that is a bit of a differentiator because when we compete with three or four agencies on a pitch, we're standing alone because we're telling the client, hey, we want to work with you or we don't. And the other agencies are going, uh, we want to work with you at all costs. And we don't do that. And it puts us in a different, uh, a different light when we talk to our clients because we're authentic about it. It's not a sales pitch. It is absolutely, we will say no if we do not see the fit. And, and unfortunately, we say no a lot you more know than what? we want to, but yeah. I actually think it's fortunate that you say no. I'm sorry to disagree with you. I know I, I know it's probably not good good etiquette on the part of the, the host to disagree with his guest, but I think it's actually very fortunate that you do that. And I think yeah. that, you know, for the listener, be they a coach, be they a consultant, be they a trainer, a facilitator, or another business owner, knowing when to say no and having the yeah. courage to do it and stick to your guns, it's very powerful, very liberating. And in the end of the day, I believe it's very profitable. I actually think it's had a lot to do with your phenomenal growth. You know, it may, it may have, and it, it just kind of came to us when we realized, you know, we did the exercise, what's our ideal client? And, you know, we kind of look down the list and say, what does that ideal client look like? And But it took us some time to figure that out. And a lot of bruises, to tell you the truth. It took a lot of bruises to figure that out. But once we figured it out, now we can articulate and say, this is what our ideal client looks like in this space, and this is what it looks like in that space. So every client asks us the same question. You know, Tell us about your experience and what vertical. So we pull up our client list and say, okay, it's every vertical in the world. So, but here's what we look for. And so it shows that it shows them that, oh my goodness, they only work with people that they think they can help. And that's me. So then they kind of see themselves in that world. So, so it is, it turned out to be a really good business strategy, but boy, is it liberating when I can hand the strategy over to our team and say, we really believe in these guys. And then that inspires everybody to do good and then do better work and be more creative and, and help. Alan, that's absolutely brilliant. You know, one thing you just said here that really resonated with me was you took a lot of bruises on. 
you had a lot of bruises. I think that's exactly how you phrased it. It, it didn't happen for you immediately. Your ideal client was something you had to work on. It wasn't like one day you sat down and you got it in the first 10 minutes of thinking, okay, I need an ideal client. You know, talk about that for the listener, because I think a lot of people think when they listen to a podcast like this, I don't have my ideal client yet. I'm frustrated. Why is it that other people have got it? I don't. Is that why it's not working for me as well as it could be? Talk about that because I think that could help set a few people free. Well, you've heard the quote, right? I think it was Mike Tyson that all you know all plans are off the table once you get punched in the mouth, right? So, <laughs> um, so you know, and I have to tell you, I don't think if you ever answer the question, this is just my opinion, but if you ever answer the question, I am there, and I've made it, you've already failed, in my view. I think that we are always on a journey to figure it out. Listen, the 12 years, it has not been a hockey stick up. It has been uh, up and a down and an up and a down and an up. And every year you have things that, that if you are not resilient, you will not survive. And that I think is a theme, you know, from all of your thought leaders and listening to the podcasts that you've already done. Every one of them has said, man, there is no one linear path to success. So I think what happens is if you believe in your vision and you believe in what you're doing, whatever that happens to be, it could be running, you know, a, a, a max shop, whatever that is, you believe that you can do really well, then understand the stuff's going to happen to you and that the stuff's going to happen to you. As long as you keep your eye on the goal, I think the, the, the great quote is you only see obstacles when you take your eye off of your goal. That to me has always been true. So when something happens into our business that it happens, you know, every week to us, we look at it and say, what do we learn? And then are we still on the right track? Yes, we are. Turn the page, move on, fix the problem, let's go. Take a breath, deal with the stress, and go. And so it really becomes an attitude of resilience that you have to have. And some people have it naturally. Some people have to learn it. But if you're in business, understand some stuff will happen that is not good. And try to always learn. And then when you learn it, I always record it and say, okay, that becomes part of next year's plan to say, here's what I won't do again. I'm going to go here. And then you institutionalize it with your, uh, with your team and, and good things start to happen because you're doing some of the right things. And oh, by the way, whatever you learn in MBA school and whatever you've learned 30 years behind you, you're learning today something new. I'm 57 years old. I can't believe the stuff I learn every single day. And why? Because I'm open to it. I don't know everything. I need to learn everything, and that's what I continue to do. So that's a few things that I've been thinking about. You know, Alan, when I used to work for you, uh, I, I say to people, Alan's one of the best bosses I ever worked for, and, and I think I'm congenitally unemployable, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just not built to work for people. But <laughs> what was brilliant about you when we worked together that I really appreciated was you didn't act like you knew it all. You actually sought my my thoughts, my thinking, my advice, my help. And you didn't just do that with me. You did that with everybody that reported into you and the senior leadership team. And obviously, you, uh, you live by those rules. So kudos to you. So the thing we like to do, Alan, to close off each podcast is we ask our expert, what are your three expert action steps that you would recommend our listener take on in order for them to be able to make the dent that they want to make in the universe and get to the next level in their dreams and their success? Sure. I, I think the, the first thing that I would say is relationships matter. Uh, and they matter in more ways than I think anybody gives 
credit for. And it's not just uh, that you have to actually say, well, I need to have a really big network. You know, we all have decent networks. I have a huge network, but I have a network that I have activated, you know, and, and a network that sits dormant because it's a number on a LinkedIn uh, on your LinkedIn page is not a network, a network where you now connect with people, both uh, whether it's on the phone or it's a text or it's a a coffee or whatever it happens to be. I think that would be the first thing I would say, because those relationships will save your bacon at some point in your life. When you reach out to them and you're sincere and you're empathetic and you care about people and you need help, people will be there to help you. So I think that would be the first thing I would say. Uh, as a subset of that, I would say that the other thing is that we get really hung up on online relationships, right? With Facebook and Twitter and all the different things that are there. Make sure you take those relationships into the human world as well. It is a the best way ever to nurture and to stay in touch with people digitally. I'm all about that. But boy, have a Skype call, have a Zoom call. Uh, if you can't see, but when you're downtown, pop in for coffee with no other agenda that I just want to say, hey, and see how you're doing. Because guess what happens every time you do that? Something beautiful happens. So I have as part of my world, when I am downtown in Toronto, I will say, who are the people I know in that area? Who haven't I seen in a while? And I, I always work coffees around those just to stay in touch with people with no agenda, just, hey, let's connect. So I think that's the second one. And I think the third one is if you're really sincere about life, uh, you're, at least in my view, I want to make people better. Everybody that I interact with in some way, if they feel better because they smiled when they were around me or, or we had a laugh together or I gave them advice or I gave them a hug or whatever it happened to be, you know, at the end of the day, we're all humans and we just happen to know stuff. And that's fine. But there's a bigger purpose here, right? It's about humans. And I don't want to sound too existential here for a moment. But at the end of the day, there's, you know, there's 7 billion of us on the, in, on the planet. We're all trying to make our way. And everybody needs a little bit of help. So if you can make people better, um, I sleep really well at night when I do that. Because that's why I think I was put on this planet is to, is to encourage people and inspire people to be better. So I think those would be the three that I would, uh, that would finish with Vicky and uh, Michael. Those kick butt. I love it. So, Alan, what have you got going on uh, that you may want to let our listeners know about? Is it something you uh, you want to promote or talk about? You know, um, the, the, the not not really. Other than you know what I, <laughs> I guess what I what I what I fail to do, and I think it's a good thing is uh, I've got to learn how to say no to things and and say yes to the right things. And I've learned how to say yes to a lot of really good things. And it's really hard when you say yes, great things happen in your life, but there's a lot of things you have to say no to. So I said yes to an opportunity in the US, uh, which is a new business that I've invested in, uh, in the telemedicine, telehealth space. And it's taking me into a world that I had never experienced before into the American healthcare world. And I have to tell you, it opens up opportunities that I could never dream of before. So the only thing I would say to your listeners, and I'm not promoting what we're doing in the States, but I will tell you that this business will have a B at the end of it as we as we get through it because it's going to scale so well. And it's because I had a, let me tie everything together. I had a relationship with somebody who trusted me, who I helped in some area, who said, I want you to be a part of this. And that guy lives in Milan, Italy. And so to talk about how those things come together. So now I'm involved in a business with 12 other people from around the world that all put in some dough into this business that's going to really be transformational, not only for the healthcare system in the U.S., but for myself and my family, all because I said yes and because I had a really tight relationship with someone. So the world does kind of deliver stuff to you if you say yes. Just say yes to the right thing. So that would be what I would say as a final note. 
Well, that's fantastic. Since you know you've been too modest to talk about your company website, I'll do it for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to find out about the services that Alan and his fantastic team offer, go to infinitycom with two m's.ca. Check them out. They do incredible work. And uh, Alan is a dynamite speaker. He speaks from the heart. He's powerful. So if you're um, interested in bringing someone in to do a talk for you, reach out to Alan. Alan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, gentlemen, it was an honor and a pleasure. And, uh, and thank you for, uh, for reaching out. And, and uh, I really enjoyed their talk today. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Great having you. You, you crushed it. Thank you, Alan. Thanks, really good. Bye bye. See you. So, Michael Alan McLaren, my former boss. I know. I know you may be in the back of your mind. You you were too nice to say it. Had a little bit of trepidation. What's Nikki doing here, bringing his old boss to the podcast? But. You know, I, I think he really crushed it and hit it out of the park for us. Well, you know, for our listeners that are owners of businesses, I mean, he's a, just, again, another, it seems like we've, these last couple of guests that we've had, textbook examples of how they're becoming authorities in their market and, and the things that they're doing and how they're becoming known. So I think for our listeners there, I, I mean, I knew once I looked at his website and the things that he's done, I knew right away, like, it's going to be a great guest. Absolutely. And uh, I really liked what he said about knowing when to say no, knowing what to say no to so you can figure out what to say yes to. And I really like the fact that he turns over half of the opportunities that come his way away. I actually think that's massively contributed to his growth. And for the listener, that's a powerful thing for for you to take on in your own practice. Because if you do that, you're going to be known as someone who has integrity and the right people are going to seek you out. Yeah, you know, I, I think what stands out for me about what they're doing is they, they really know who they want to serve, they know how they can serve them, and there's a formula that they've figured out. And so what that enables them to do is do amazing work with those type of people and and let other people that don't fit that model move aside. So I think his message for some of the, the, the listeners that maybe are smaller uh, businesses, their coaches, consultants you can learn from that. It's like, don't try and serve everybody. Figure out who is your ideal customer. What is it that you're really great at? And then focus helping those people and let all the other people go to whoever is great working with those people. Yeah. And and also be okay with the fact that you might not nail who your ideal customer is right away. It might take you some time because obviously he, he talked about how it took him and his business some time to do that. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, for you and I, we, we could speak for, from that ourselves, right? We've been there and had our own 100%. pivots a number of times. Uh, and it, it's, if you don't pick one, you're never going to, you're never going to narrow it down. So it's pick one, go try, test, research, do the things that, that he was talking about today. And you will find that there's gold and you can, your business will really take off when you actually figure out who your ideal customer is, how you really, really serve them, and then become known for doing that. 100%. So, Michael, we've created a fabulous new tool for people to download from our website, haven't we? Yeah, and we've we've had it up for a couple of episodes, a couple of weeks now, and we're definitely getting some people downloading it and, and enjoying it, giving us some feedback on it. Well, tell people what it is and, and, and why it'd be useful for them to, to grab a hold of it. 
We call it the market authority blueprint. And it basically takes a look at 10 ways that you can position yourself as an authority in the market and be known as a thought leader. And I think the reason why we came up with it, it's a one pager. We actually saw a really good example of it uh, from another thought thought leader who I think is coming on our show in the future. But he had this uh, a download, which was, it was 10 things. It was on one page. You could print it off and it had pure gold, 10 pieces of pure gold. So we said, you know what, let's do the same thing. Let's have a one pager. Let's put out a blueprint, have 10 awesome things that people can do to position themselves better in the market, make more money, attract better clients. And that's why we did it. And, and, and obviously it's absolutely free. So go to our website, thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com forward slash authority. This will also be in the show notes. Go ahead and download this blueprint and start using it right away. It'll make a big difference for you. Absolutely. That wraps another episode of the Business of Thought Leadership podcast and what an episode it was. You can get all the show notes and links to the guest that we had on today at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Until next time, goodbye. You've been listening to the Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening. 